Japan by River Cruise is made possible by your donations and subscriptions at japanbyrivercruise.com and the generosity of our corporate sponsors. In January 2020, Australia was on fire. Brexit finally happened. Donald Trump had his impeachment trial and a Ukraine International Airlines passenger flight got shot down during a war. Turkey had a devastating earthquake. Jakarta had unprecedented flooding that caused dozens of deaths. Kobe Bryant and his daughter tragically died in a helicopter crash. And there was an actual plague of locusts in Kenya. Then February happened. Then March. And we're still not even halfway through the year. You've likely accepted that this horrible year is never going to end. So, shouldn't your wardrobe reflect that? Well, it can, with Forever 2020. All of our clothing has built-in virus-filtering face masks, contained our patented easy white material for writing and rewriting protest slogans on the go, and combines both heat tech and cool tech technology, since climate change has meant that the weather now changes hourly, not daily. All of our fashionable shirts come with optional straitjacket arms to keep you from browsing on your phone. A cool body cam with one-click upload to both TikTok and the Independent Police Complaints Commission. And of course, everything we make is water resistant, so you don't ruin it by weeping. Because even though the world is ending, the year never will. Forever 2020. Welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Greg Lane, co-founder of and writer at Tokyo Chipo and official spokesperson for the LCC Tonegawa Bring Your Own Boat River Cruise in Chiba. Greg, thanks for joining us. Uh, hello, thank you for having me. On this week's show, a new Harry Potter attraction is coming to Tokyo. Well, if you're planning a theme park while there's still no corona vaccine available, it's probably good that your target is people who want to live in a fantasy land. And as more and more stores are implementing self-checkout systems, some retail locations think that the technology has advanced far enough that they can go completely unmanned. So, get ready to have a robot tell you that your Nihongo is Ojozu. Plus, Ali's got your weekly river cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, well, since all Japanese river cruises are suspended, this week's river cruise is our first ever international river cruise recommendation. This time from my hometown of Bristol in the UK. The one-off sailing of the bandwagon glass-bottom boat will travel down the River Avon towards the harbourside, circling the now underwater statue of Edward Colston. The cruise was put on to accommodate the handful of Colston's new fans who were enraged that the statue was torn down in protest, since statues are the best way to educate about figures of historical importance. But sadly, and this is just rotten timing, they happened to become fans after his statue was toppled in the water. And later in the show, we'll be taking calls from the owners of some of Tokyo's high-end luxury river cruise liners who blame Greg for putting them out of business. But first, Soap Talk. Greg, your website helps tourists come to Japan. There are no tourists in Japan. What are you doing with yourself? <laughs> um, I'm growing a lot of vegetables and, and strawberries and things. Um, oh, nice. But I mean, we, we, do, we, we do have a, a kind of a fair number of uh, locals who look at the site yeah. as well. So, oh, really? Uh, foreigners who live in Japan. So, I mean, I mean the, the traffic on the site has dropped by about 90%. So. Wow. Really? <laughs> and yeah. presumably as well, if your revenue comes from kind of affiliate links and advertising advertisers yeah. are spending less on their adverts too right 
Because they well, have nothing, business. nothing. It's it's zero. The, I mean, it's it's pretty yeah, it's pretty bad. But your confidence is going to pick up, right? Fund, well, our, our business fundamentally is okay, I think. But you know, as long as there's no tourists, there's no uh, no revenue. So, I, I mean, it, it's kind of th- it's, we we have kind of two main sources of uh, traffic. One is the inbound tourist stuff, and the other one is events. Right. So, and both you know, are defunct. Completely. Yeah. yeah. Even Fuji Rock, Fuji Rock got announced this week. That's uh, that's been cancelled. Sunset too. Live too has been postponed. Hasn't Sunset it? Live has been cancelled. I'm wearing a Sunset Live T-shirt right now. The designer. This is a podcast. That's irrelevant. I'm, yeah, you're totally right. Bobby, are you still back in the TV studio? Yes, I did Asadest this morning, and I'm in a separate room from the main studio. And uh, because of a lot of the Black Lives Matter stuff and like the racial sensitivity issues on the news in every country in the world these days i i found that i was being a little bit hypersensitive to what i thought was racism and i overcorrected a mistake or what i thought was a mistake on Asadest this morning they were doing right. this story about uh, all these celebrities and famous people sending out messages to the graduating class of 2020 and because i'm in a separate studio i didn't get the live feed from the show until just a couple minutes before my segment was supposed to start and they were showing clips as they were winding down the segment. And then there was a clip of Barack Obama and a clip of Condoleezza Rice and a clip of like the Korean pop singers from BTS. And they were narrating it and they said, Obama Zendai Doryo Fusai, which means former president Obama and wife. And I immediately like ran from my room into the next studio to be like, Condoleezza Rice is not his wife. You can't just see a black woman and be like <laughs> Obama and his wife. They weren't and even also, in the same video screen. And also his children are not that good at dancers and I don't think they sing <laughs> I don't think they sing K pop. Doesn't have Korean kids. But as soon as I said it, apparently they were like, Oh no, in the main news story it showed a message from her as well, and that's what we were referring to. We weren't talking about Condoleezza Rice. Like we're not that bad. But right. In my defense, my experience with this show and its knowledge of black famous people, when the Cubs won the World Series in like 2016, they were showing all these clips of people and fans reacting, and they showed this clip of LeBron James celebrating. And after the clip was over, a person in the studio went, that black guy looked like Bob Sapp. (laughs) Oh, dear. Bob Sapp is like a wrestler who was a famous celebrity in Japan. Looks nothing like LeBron James, by the way. Absolutely not. Bobby, no mail this week, so shall we jump into the news? Bobby Judo, what's in the news this week? Great news for Harry Potter fans. There is a new Harry Potter park scheduled to replace Tokyo's Toshimaen in a redevelopment plan. I'm not familiar with Toshimaen. Greg, have you been there? Do you know what it is? I I haven't been there recently, but... um... When I went there about 10 years ago, it was looking pretty tired, so it's probably well well due for a replacement, I'd is say. Is it a park or a theme park? Or? It, it's it's, a, it's a, a theme park. They've got like a, a wave pool. They've got like a, um indoor skating rink. They've got um, like a Ferris wheel, that kind of stuff. Doesn't USJ already have like a wizard, Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme attraction? I think they do. In Osaka, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm I'm interested to know with this um, this theme park about the uh, the cast because you know I'm, I'm wondering if they're gonna um, kind of make a Japanese version of all the characters or if they'll kind of you know um, hire a bunch of um, white people to. 
to play the different characters. Well, actually, USJ is is a huge employer of white people. Yeah. And if you go out partying <laughs> on Osaka, you'll often bump into them, and they're really fun because they're living the dream, right? Like if if you're a uh, a dancer, you get put on a really good contract. They pay you fairly well, uh, and you get to kind of dick dick around. It must be so fun. It must be so yeah. fun just being waved at. Bobby, isn't that your ideal job? Yes, like, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> you, t- you turn up every day, you just walk down the street in some outfit and people are just I- elated, ecstatic. I think it would have been, if I could just to see you. dance or sing or act, I think it would have been a fantastic way to spend my 20s. I know people who are like cast members at Disneyland playing the princesses or the princes or cast members at Universal Studios Japan. Uh, anybody who's not in a giant plush costume, I think it's got a pretty sweet deal. You could be a prince. I could have, maybe. Once once upon a dream, I might have been. But um, I looked at this article. It's hilarious to me. I, I was like, oh, a Harry Potter theme park. Let me see what this is about. And I opened up this page, and it's 50% about disaster prevention and evacuation. Did you notice that? Yeah, which actually made me think that isn't there a theme park in Japan for Japanese kids to learn about disaster prevention? Like, There's a theme park where kids can play police officers and play fire oh. men. K- and with yeah. Kizania? What's that called? Kizania, that's the one. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's uniquely Japanese. And it's more about careers. You can be in like the emergency services and rescue services. Yeah, they have a... And in America, they have one where they just give you, um, they just give you a baseball bat and you can beat the shit, <laughs> the shit out of each other. <laughs> so, so this theme park and... and the way the article presents it is so funny. It's going to be uh, similar to the one that they have in London, uh, the indoor Harry Potter studio tour facility. And it talks about, you know, uh, props used in Harry Potter film shoots. And it says the plan for the redevelopment includes creating an environment with water features and greenery that is, quote, bustling with lots of people, which is just a great way to phrase that for this time. And then immediately the next sentence is, they will also cooperate to secure a regional disaster evacuation area uh, with a park on the west side to accommodate people who are unable to return home if a disaster occurs. So it's like, <laughs> it's like they are aware that somehow this is going to create a humanitarian crisis. Do you know what I think it might be? I think it might be that they're worried that they might be too magical. And one of the ones in the gift shop might actually have magical powers. <laughs> they're just they're just making sure that if accidentally someone does say Expelliarmus um, or, you know, cause a tsunami or us and uh, <laughs> something bad actually happens, that they're covered. I think it has more to do with the idea that this is a large scale representation of what everybody is going through right now and that they all want to get back to normal and get back to business and get back to earning money but they can't bring in any money for anything unless they make it look like it has something to do to help out with the current disastrous state of the world. Right. It, it, it is in the middle of the nowhere. So like, I, I, I think back in 2011 with the, uh, the big earthquake, um, and, like, it hit Disney pretty hard. Um, and at the time they had um, all sorts of kind of liquefaction with like water coming up through the ground and like, you know, thousands of people stuck at the at the park. Yeah, it's funny the idea that they'd have to take that into account now just to talk about making plans to release a theme park to the point where the article is equally focused on what they're doing for disaster prevention. And uh, right. I clicked it because I wanted to find out what Harry Potter stuff it's going to have. And instead, it's like, 
oh, you know, we're going to have that magic train platform door that people disappear into, but it will also be an actual door that leads to a nuclear fallout bunker. (laughs) (laughs) So, you will it have butterbeer? Like, eh, it'll have throat swabs. (laughs) Actually, that reminds me a little bit of um, another kind of theme park uh, down Yokohama way. It's um, uh, it's got its own train line uh, to get there. And it's actually built around a, a former uh, Japanese Imperial Army uh, base. Yeah. And it's got massive like uh, tunnels and earthwork, earthworks and um, like uh, places where they, they served, you know, they, they stored all the ammunition and, and things. It's, um, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that could but, be a historical lesson and a survival option if need be. Uh, Disneyland kind of is a bit post-apocalyptic, right? Like, if, you know, if you, if you break it down, they're like, people are contractually obliged to be happy every day in the context of actual human-sized rodents wandering around the streets. <laughs> well, thinking about the future of, of theme parks and things like that and how they have to incorporate all these kind of disaster preparedness and this... Atarashi Sei Katsuyoshiki, these new styles and modes of living daily life. Uh, there was the article that Forbes put out about Disneyland going contactless, which looked like it was something that they were already kind of releasing and rolling out before the whole COVID-19 thing happened. Yes. Well, I quite liked the headline about Disneyland going contactless because it reminded me of something I read about last year. Because my brother is absolutely obsessed with Disney, right? He's an otherwise fairly normal guy, but he's like properly into Disney. Is your brother um, a forty-year-old Japanese woman? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. Um, but he, he would dearly love to go to Disneyland Tokyo. But he sent me an article about how Disney that characters are trained to not uh, to make sure their hands are visible in photographs, because after the, the the Me Too movement, they were they wanted to be extra extra careful. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, like like Goofy wouldn't be appearing in a dock. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> with some someone accusing him of uh, of copying a feel with yeah. his three jumbo fingers. They use the Keanu Reeves technique, right? You know, they're taking the pictures, yeah. but their hands are always floating over the shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so Disney, in that respect, was already uh, contactless. Contactless. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously like it's uh, Japan's so funny, right? Because Japan had technology such as the Pasmo cards like well before many other countries, but then was really, really late to NFC uh, contactless payments on, on phones, wasn't it? Yeah. I just have a feeling that Japan is going to do what it always does and just kind of hold out and then wait for some leapfrog moment where all of a sudden, you know, we're not even buying things anymore. It, it like automatically appears in our mouths. Ollie, I think you might have been missing out on uh, cashless, the big cashless campaign they've had here for the last six months or so. Well, I have been. I've been out With- of the country. With the um, with the awesome uh, the slogan is have a nice cashless. <laughs> <laughs> that that's not really and, a slogan. That's just what people have said to each other for for decades. <laughs> that's that's, no, that's that's normally how how I finish nice chit chat. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Have a nice cashless. Oh, you too, man. <laughs> These are of course not accessible to tourists, are they, Greg? Ah, uh, no, no. That's the thing. Like um, Japan has its kind of complete separate uh, ecosystem. Like even the. Um, like the touchless uh, credit cards, there's a separate system for Japan. So you know, um, but, but I think there are some places that are uh, introducing the uh, like the Visa touchless. It looks like a little kind of like a Wi-Fi. Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are places that I think would give cash back or some sort of like points or reward system if you use that Visa cashless, you know, touch and go. But I think 
I think yeah. Ali's point was more about the idea that Japan's adoption of technology goes in these weird leaps where they skip some yeah. things. Like they had the IC cards for transport, which you could apply that same technology to cashless for a long time. And it just in the last yeah. you know year or six months, they're starting to push. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cashless purchasing. I, I, I remember thinking it was cool that in 2009, I could buy a card, which I would tap against a vending machine and then a drink would plop out. And then I visited again in 2014 thinking this is absolutely absurd that I'm handing over a bit of paper and someone's grabbing that paper with two hands and handing it back to me. Although I guess that that's actually part of the experience for a tourist, isn't it? You know, like when you hand over your money and the, they take it in that in that very typically Japanese way with two hands uh, and then, you know, hand you back the change. Yeah. It would be a shame to see that go. It'd be nice if, you know, as I'm paying cashless on my mobile phone, I hand over my mobile phone with, with two hands and they take my mobile phone with two hands. They tap it on my behalf, oh. turn it around, take take a se- take a selfie with me as a memento uh, and then hand, hand the mobile phone back with two hands. Uh, actually, that's something I really, uh, I have a pet hate about that. You know, you know th- th- those kind of ticketless... Um, Things on the on the, on the cell phone where you have a, a QR code, yeah. yeah, and you actually have to hand over your phone to the the person so they can actually scan Man it. handle your yeah. phone and touch it all. Oh, up I hate and, that. Yeah, yeah. I. Well, what's yeah. on your phone, Greg? <laughs> I had the exact same experience the other day at a convenience store, except it wasn't a phone; it was a can of beer, and I was like just showing them the barcode and was like, just scan the barcode, and I didn't want to let them take it out of my hand, so they just ended up touching it while it was in my hand. <laughs> So you're just kind of <laughs> holding hands around a beer can. But it, 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 we are going to think this is absurd, isn't it? That like in order for us to get products, someone has to hand it to us. Like anything that we ever consume for a very, very brief moment has to be passed to another human and then passed straight back to us. Well, we talked about this a little bit with Rochelle, just in terms of the idea that the pandemic is forcing Japan to adopt all these technologies or discard all of these kind of defunct technologies like the Incon, which, I mean, they're doing it with different degrees of success. But our next major news story that we want to look at this week is this one about unmanned convenience stores. JR East has announced that they're going to open 100 unmanned convenience stores. They're accelerating their plans, and this is, again, largely due to the pandemic, wanting to introduce a contactless way for people to get stuff from convenience stores. But you could also kind of see this as a quicker step down the road to greater unemployment and more exploitative business practice. Yes, I mean, you can be sure that if a business is saving money on staff costs, they're not going to be handing those savings to the other staff, are they? No. They do have a couple of uh, unmanned convenience stores open already, don't they? I haven't actually seen an unmanned convenience store. I mean, I've seen plenty of um, what they call self-reggy. Yeah. Uh, you know, where you basically just, um, you know, scan your own items. Um, but I haven't, I haven't seen one, a completely unmanned one yet. It looks like there's one open in uh, Takanawa Gateway Station. Okay. That started operating in March. So very timely. These have existed in America for a while with Amazon, right? I think it's called Amazon Go. Yeah. There's one in San Francisco. Yeah. And and it does feel like you're shoplifting because you can just walk in, take a product, put it in your pocket and leave. Yeah, I, I don't think the Japanese ones are going to be that sophisticated. I, I mean, you know, even even the um, the self reggie, the, the, you know, the self checkout thing, it's um, it's really, really basic. Like, um, you know, they've had it for years in New Zealand, like um, 
and, and they have all these kind of uh, safety and security kind of features. Yeah. So the idea is like, you, you know, you put your bag on one side and then you transfer it to the other side and it has to weigh the same. And if it's, you know, it doesn't weigh the same, then you're obviously a shoplifter and a thief. <laughs> uh, whereas in, in Japan, they, they don't, it's basically um, just the same equipment that the, the person behind the counter is using. But, you know, but with limited access to functions. One thing that whenever I go shopping to buy yeah. stuff for like a TV shoot, I have to get a business receipt and there's no option to print mm -hmm. out a business receipt. You have to right. call a clerk to come over. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody use the self-reggie without having to ask a clerk to come over and help them either add a <laughs> bag purchase or print out something or take something off. It seems like even though it's supposed to be self, you're ending up involving somebody who works at the store anyway. My experience of using these in the UK is that the staff are nominally there to check that you're not being sneaky. Yeah. They've got maybe eight or ten of these under their purview. And so if you call them over because it says there's been an unexpected item in the bagging area or something's wrong, all they will do is take their barcode, scan, tap a button and go, as you were. As, you know, your basket is absolutely brimming with rotisserie chickens, uh, as, as the display says that you just bought one single chewing gum. I wonder how this is going to affect the age verification system for buying alcohol at the convenience store. It's, it's one of my favorite things about it, that age verification button for buying beer, or as I like to call it, the would you like to buy a beer button. <laughs> it's, it's just this button that pops up that says... Would you like to buy this beer? And you just push yes. Like, there's not even an option for no, I made a mistake. It's just, do you want the beer? Yes. And and a child could still touch that. And as far as they're concerned, their, their, their thorough due diligence yeah. has been completed. Well, that's what I've always said is that in, in America, you know, you have to show ID. And if you go in and you don't have ID, the clerk is like, hey, kid, get out of here. And in Japan, the system is you have to push the button. And if you don't push the button, the clerk is like, hey, kid, you got to push that button. <laughs> <laughs> or worse, if you're a foreigner, they reach around and push it for you. Yeah, yeah. And then they've touched the same screen you were supposed to touch, which defeats the whole purpose of contactless shopping. Do you know about that thing called TASPO? TASPO. No. I'm not. I'm not a smoker, but it's a. It's a thing for people who. Sm it's like that's the tobacco something. It's like an age verification card or something, so you can buy your smokes from a, a vending machine. Are they also the ones that totally botched the Fukushima nuclear cleanup? <laughs> Probably. Oh no, that's Tepco. Sorry. <laughs> so this is a totally standard uh, Japanese-style gag. I just did that whole. Was it this? Achigaoka. That was actually this different word. And this is exactly why Japanese gags are not funny in English. That wasn't very funny, was it? It was not funny because, at all. Because no no one misheard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's completely implausible that you would have thought that. And it was you that went, oh, no, I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, maybe that's the way to approach this. The next time a, a Japanese co-presenter makes one of those gags to you you need to treat that as a sincere inquiry <laughs> you what you, <laughs> what you you mean you went to go shopping in some breadcrumbs not a department store you really genuinely heard panko <laughs> and not pargo are you out of your mind <laughs> just take it as seriously as possible yeah so, Ali, do you remember a few episodes back you talked about the pandemic being the chance for 
people who who are already in comfortable situations to become more comfortable at the expense of the people who aren't? Yes, I don't just remember it. I remember it fondly. Yeah. So what do you think about that in terms of, you know, convenience stores taking taking this as the chance to go unmanned? Well, firstly, I think like the convenience store was only ever convenient for the customer. It was never convenient for the staff. Because if you think about the breadth of what a convenience store worker has to do, right? In the past, these were just shops that sold milk, right? These people have to simultaneously sell items, restock shelves, fry chicken to an internationally high standard. <laughs> bake right? bread. Print off, make yeah, bake bread, print off concert tickets, right? Help you with your photocopying uh, and you know, make drinks sometimes, pour ice cream. I mean, frankly, the fact that we expect the breadth of services from one, like from one individual is already to me astonishing. It was never convenient for the staff, was it? It was always ever convenient for us. Considering and now, these days, most of them are doing it in their second language. Yeah, right. They, exactly. They'd already made the move to hiring a lot more foreign workers because, again, foreign workers are cheaper and more disposable than Japanese workers. More automation might actually be quite good for these, um, these convenience stores because apparently they've had so much trouble trying to find staff that they've actually been um, planning to open them like actually close them at night. Yeah. So, yeah. So a Seven Eleven would actually be open from seven to eleven rather than you know twenty four hours. So you know maybe the automa automation's a good in, thing. In in more rural areas and and like uh, the farther out reaches, yeah, there have been a lot of of uh, stores that have gone to shorter hours in Kyushu. I think it does help having a human there. Like when I think of some of my lowest moments where I've gone at 4am to buy three <laughs> cheesecake slices a like a, a, an extra large pasta which you know the, when the guy asks would you like it heated and i'll go no no and he presumes that i'm taking it home to eat it but i'm just gonna eat it there cold <laughs> um and you know and be like sometimes you do need a human just to kind of just to remind you that just you, to judge you yeah <laughs> that you are still living in this planet and you do owe it something. You do owe it a certain degree of not going back a third time in the same in the same evening. That's true. Without people at the register giving you disapproving looks, you're never going to get rid of all of the dudes reading all of the magazines next to the bathroom. Right, exactly. Well, I hope that if they do go fully automated, that they they find a way to to automate the frying of chicken. I mean, that is obviously. That is obviously what a convenience store is about, right? Like from my perspective, from my perspective, a convenience store is another place to get fried chicken. You know, it's it's like I kind of see the streets of Japan, like Pac-Man sees those streets, and each of those yellow dots is some fried chicken, and like to, and the standard of fried chicken is so good to me. It's not like it's a convenience store. It's like it's a fried chicken shop, and then a shop's just being built around it. Like that's the lens through which I see convenience stores, and, and I I can't see how they can automate it but if they were to automate it presumably they could then commercialize that machine and you could bring it into your own home <laughs> greg just so you know most of ollie's time in japan was was very fried chicken focused <laughs> <laughs> any tips on how to get fried chicken cheaper oh uh dumpsters <laughs> I guess I'm not sure. 
Uh, any other ideas about how you think kind of uh, the contactless society or a cashless society or the things that have changed because of the pandemic might affect tourism or business in Japan in the future? Um, I, th I think it's going to be just more of the uh, things like, you know, check into hotels. There's going to be more of the, you know, the machines rather than having to talk to a person. Yeah. Um, Do you think that'll make it easier for foreign travelers or, or not? It d probably not. <laughs> Because most of the Japanese systems are quite, uh, you know, like you, do you know the um, the robot restaurant? Uh, not the robot restaurant, the uh, robot hotel. The Henna hotel? Henna hotel, the one where robot dinosaurs yeah. check you in. Yeah, I've been to one of those. Yeah, so um, the the problem with the the dinosaurs and the chicken machines is they break down so much that there's always a person just through a door. So like yeah. like about. One out of every two chickens, the person kind of runs out and has to kind of do the do the machine for the the person. Are they at least out. wearing a dinosaur costume? Uh, no, that would could be quite confusing. I think so. You know, they're obviously the the dinosaurs are so realistic. You don't want to kind of um, have someone running out with a costume. This will this will the Bryans will call me out for this one because I'm pretty sure I mentioned it at the time. But when I went to that Henna Hotel, I went with my kids, and I thought it'd be so cool to see those dinosaurs speaking English that I pushed the English yeah. option on the screen, and then it said, uh, "Enter your address or enter your passport." And I had my residence card. I didn't have a passport, so I just click the button that says I live in Japan and it instantly went back to Japanese. I remember the Wi-Fi in Japan being really intrusive. Like sometimes you'd log into public Wi-Fi and they wouldn't just ask you for your name and date of birth. They would ask you your email address for anti-terrorism measures. I remember seeing that specifically in a shopping center. For anti-terrorism purposes, please provide your email address. And I was thinking, what are they going to do? And, and your gender. Yeah, exactly. Set up a MailChimp to do a, to do a mail blast <laughs> to all of the female terrorists to ask them to stop. This makes no sense at all. In in Hakata Station, they ask you for your marital status. I have never seen one of the ones that ask you for your gender, but uh, at the J.K. Rowling Harry Potter Park, I'm sure the Wi-Fi will want to know <laughs> what sex you are. <laughs> Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 39 of Japan by River Cruise. As ever, thanks to the Bryans who are paying $4 a month to support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com. They're getting access to the show early and some bonus bits, so thanks to them. And thanks to Greg for stopping by. It was really nice to talk to him. Uh, Ali and I have gotten a lot out of his content at tokyocheapo.com and japancheapo.com. You guys should check it out too. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.